I'm Tom Lancaster, and back there somewhere is my wife, Dottie. I'm not going to ask her to stand because she is experiencing some uh, uh, painful hip issues. But Dottie, just raise your hand, if you will. That's her right back there. She's a pretty girl. And, uh, and we're glad to be here. We've been here on several occasions, but it's been a while and uh, this is one of our favorite places to come. Um, I, we love this church. Uh, I, there's so many things about it uh, that we love. I'll go into a little bit of detail about that tonight and a little bit of uh, bringing you up to date on our ministry. You have supported us for several years now, and we certainly do appreciate that. Uh, we were in Germany for 20 years, and uh, that uh, we left 10 years ago when our base at Mannheim, Germany closed, uh, but we are tied at the hip, no I shouldn't say it that way, we are tied at the heart with our United States military. So uh, I serve as the European coordinator for military missions uh, with BIMI, and we try to travel all over the country and any place in the world where we can get in and get out uh, to be a help to our military people. And as I say, I'll bring you up to date on that uh, uh, tonight, but thank you so much, so very much for all that you do. There's a thought that crosses my mind. Of course, I love the military, and that's where God has called us, our Sunday school teacher this morning, uh, such a wonderful way that he uh, taught the Word of God from the book of Acts, and he made mention the fact that uh, God had specifically led the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles, but he loved the Jews and Israel and the Greeks as well, uh, and God uh, uh, has used this church, obviously, to reach out into this community, but I am thankful that the uh, permanent personnel of this church uh, have made it very, very uh, welcoming to our military people. Uh, I call them nomadic people. Uh, they come and they go, but thank you for giving them great hospitality and uh, helping them. I hope you'll be back tonight, and uh, uh, I, I will preach a message from a military man uh, tonight. And in, in the midst of it, it's got a lesson uh, that probably some of you know, but you have not been able to just put it together and articulate it. And uh, I'm going to give it to you tonight in a simple way. That's the only way that I know how to give a message is in a simple way, but I'm going to give you a message tonight uh, that if you don't have it down pat, uh, it can change your life. Uh, please be here tonight. I, I know you will not regret it. If you come seeking something that will be a help to you, you'll get it tonight from the Word of God. And so I hope you'll be back again uh, this evening. And uh, also, I want to uh, tell you about two things that I have on the table back there. Uh, one is just sort of a thumbnail sketch, and I call it the Miracle of Mannheim. Uh, Dottie and I were at Mannheim, Germany for 20 years, 
took a, a struggling a church outside of the base uh, that was just about to close, and it became a great, great uh, light there and sent out missionaries and preachers all over the world. Uh, Fifty-seven people are now serving the Lord full-time from that one church during those 20 years. And uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saved. And uh, missions, uh, you know, I believe that uh, churches on a foreign field, they ought to be mission-minded churches as well. And we sent out missionaries from that church. And uh, uh, let's see, I think our during the 20 years that I was there, our missions giving was over $2.5 million uh, to missions. And uh, so I have a thumbnail sketch of the miracle of Mannheim, I call it. It's back there on the table. And then um, I had somebody ask me the other day, they said, Brother Lancaster, uh, churches and Bible colleges today, uh, what do you think? Uh, why are they different or are they different from the days uh, when you were younger? And my answer is yes. Uh, they are good. Uh, they're wonderful. They're doing great things. But there are two things that are missing today. And a lot of churches that I go to and in Bible colleges where I preach, those two things are they do not win souls like they used to. I'm talking about personal evangelism. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about people walking the aisle and getting saved. I'm talking about folks going out into the community and giving the gospel and coming again, bearing precious seed, rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Uh, we are missing it today in personal evangelism. And then the second thing that is mentioned is a pioneer spirit among our young people. A, a spirit that I'm going to go out and do something for the glory of God. I'm not near as concerned about how I'm going to get supported and, and how I'm going to get taken care of and, and uh, what's in store for me and, and what's awaiting me that they've been getting ready for me as I'll go out and do something for the glory of God. I believe those two things are missing in many of our churches and in our Bible colleges. Uh, personal evangelism, personal soul winning, and uh, then a pioneering spirit. I have a card here. This is not a track. It's got six verses on the front side of it. And these six verses are the verses that I have used now for 57 years in uh, introducing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I... Uh, uh, oh, I, I had such a bad life before I got saved. I came from a dysfunctional family and got in lots and lots and lots and lots of trouble. And uh, I did not know anything about the Bible. But I had a pastor that did not ask me to do things. He told me to do them. And uh, so uh, he would tell me to go soul winning with him. And uh, then uh, I caught it. And... Uh, and I, I started using these six verses. Now, the reason I put them on a hard stock card is because I want you to get it. And uh, then I want you to carry it with you until you memorize these six verses. And if you memorize these verses, a lot of people don't, don't try to win people to Christ because they're afraid. And I am too. I still am. I still get sweaty, you know, when I start talking. I let a, a guy to the Lord this past week. And uh, I was and witness to another one 
uh, a day before yesterday, a Mexican fella. And uh, I still get sweaty when I, I talk to people about the Lord. But it helps me when I know where I'm going. Where, when I know what the next step is. What my next verse is. That's why I printed this. And then I've got a Bible marker here where you can write down the names of people that you are praying for. Please go by our table, and I hope Dottie will be able to stand for a little while, and, and uh, you can meet her back there. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here, and uh, it, it's been such a, a pleasure to be here in the past, and we're glad to be here today, and, and uh, thank you, thank you so very much. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles, please, to... Um, Psalm 85, Psalm 85, and we'll certainly be praying for Brother Carpenter, good to be here in uh, fellowship with Brother Tadjuman, and um, uh, I have in my Bible, uh, this is a custom Bible, I got a Cambridge Bible and cut the back off of it and the concordance out of it. And then I put a, a piece of blank paper lined, but blank paper between every other page and got it sewn back together again. And I've got three of these and I've given away numbers of them that people have seen and wanted one of them. But I have uh, my little old scribblings of outlines, which are pitiful, pitiful outlines. But I've got my little old scribblings of outlines, a little over a thousand of them in this one Bible, and I have two other Bibles like it. But in the back of it, I have uh, um, a uh, record of where I have preached and any notable things that have happened. And then towards the very back, I have a list there of what I call the few. Uh, you know, the Marines are looking for a few good people. And I have the list of people's names that uh, have stood out as the few to me. It's not a long list, by the way. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively short list for as old as I am and as long as I have been preaching. But the name Eric and Kula Hanser are on the list of the few. I love them, and they remind Dot and myself of so many wonderful things, and they've always been an encouragement to us. As you know, Eric marches to the beat of a different drummer, and uh, but he's my kind of man. Whenever I want to get lifted or, uh, you know, Either, either at the right time he calls me or I call him, and, and Kula's always there in the background that I can hear her. Psalm 85, are you there? Uh, if you are at Psalm 85, in honor of the reading of God's Word, would you stand to your feet, please, if you can? Listen to the psalmist, verse 1. Lord... Thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah, think on this. 
Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierce, fierceness, uh, from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thou, thine anger to all generations? Wilt not thou revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord. Thank you, and you may be seated, and let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Help me, O God. Help me to be conscious of where I am. Help me to be conscious of the fact that many, most of these people do not know me. And dear Lord, I pray that more than hearing me, they will hear the voice of the Lord today. And they will sense the spirit of the sweet Christ and His blessed Holy Spirit speaking to them. Thank you, dear God, for this wonderful church, wonderful Lord. Thank you, dear God, for the people that are here. When others leave, they are here. They're the glue that holds it together. And then, Lord, uh, when some military person or when some military young couple or when some military family comes here, they're warm, caring, Christian people to take these nomadic military people under their arms and to help them. I pray, dear God, that you'll bless Brother Carpenter and his wife as they lead the work here. Thank you, dear God, for Brother and Mrs. Tangeman. I pray that you'll use them and all the staff, dear God, and bless the people. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll help me. Use me, O oh God. Save precious souls today. Direct the lives of people to serve you. Help us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. The psalmist said, revive us again. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. Of course, if you know the history of God's people, Israel, they did need revival again and again. God would chasten them and God would put them in circumstances where they knew that the divine hand of God was dealing with them and eventually they would repent and the Lord would take them back again and take them back to favor and back to blessings. But as the song, one of my favorite songs goes, Come thou fount. There's a verse in it that says, Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave my God. And, uh, and here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. They were prone to wander. 
and of course, sad to say, you and I are. This old sinful nature of ours has a tendency to pull us away from the things of God. Oh, we may not be out in liquor again. We may not be out in pornography again or a thousand other things like that. But we may have wandered where our heart is not as warm toward the Lord as it used to be. But in this particular situation in Psalm 85, it was the nation Israel that had wandered away from God. Turn us again, O Lord. You do the turning. And by the way, let me tell you this. It is God that does the convicting and the turning. And it is God that gives repentance. We cannot work repentance up, but repentance comes when we exercise proper faith or when we believe what we ought to believe. Just a few things. God is God. We are sinful creatures saved only by the grace of Almighty God. It is wrong and it is harmful for us to wander away from God. And when we believe those things, then God will turn us or God will give us repentance. In Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible tells us there that um, we are to repent in the midst of the years. Oh Lord, give us repentance in the midst of the years. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. And when you look back and understand and see what God's work has been historically and especially beginning in the book of Genesis, we realize that God's work was number one, the family. God created a family, a man and a woman. Now, I'll not go off on the tangent that I, I have a tendency to so many times. But you know we're living in a crazy society where our government is actually discussing whether men can bear babies or not. Uh, no, God created a man and a woman for marriage and for family. And sometimes families drift away from God. Sometimes families are not as close to God as they once used to be. Sometimes families, they're not warm in their devotion for the Lord. They're not as excited about the Bible reading as they used to be. Prayer time is not what it used to be. Church is not as exciting as it used to be with families. With families. And sometimes, periodically, families need revival. Uh, God also created and instituted government. I don't have to say anything to you if you've got if you're you know if you've got a lick of sense. Now, if you don't have a lick of sense, I may need to tell you this: our government needs revival. Our government desperately needs revival. Uh, we need revival in America. Oh, I think about how America has survived and only God has caused our country to survive. I want to tell you what, the Democrat Party has not saved America. The Republican Party has not saved America. There has been no institution that has saved America other than Almighty God has saved America. 
Uh, I lived in Germany, Dottie and I did, for 20 years. And there's a little village in Germany, not too far from Berlin. And that little village is called Herrenhut. And in 19, I mean in 1727, uh, there was an aristocratic young man, godly young man. And he was uh, preaching at a chapel there uh, in his village of Herrenhut. And he was very much concerned about the spiritual welfare of those people. And one day he came to his pulpit and among other things he said, I want you to begin to get along with each other. No more arguing. No more jealousy. I want you to begin to love each other. And the people took note of that and they made some changes. And on New Year's Eve, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the uh, year uh, 1727, uh, Count Zinzendorf and his people met for the New Year's Eve service. And they had been praying and praying and praying that God would do something and that God would put His hand on that small chapel. And that night the power of God came down on those less than 150 people. And the power of God rested upon them. And revival came uh, to the little town of Herrenhut, Germany. But it didn't stop there. It swept throughout Europe. However, it did not get into France. There was a bloody atheistic revolution that was beginning there in France. And of course, the bloody revolution took place in France. But revival swept throughout Europe and it crossed uh, the English Channel and went into England. And there, revival swept through England and, and some people that had been kicked out of the Anglican church, uh, especially John and Charles Wesley. John and Charles Wesley were kicked out of their Anglican churches. But they went into the fields and they went into the places where the miners went into the coal mines and they began preaching to thousands of people that met in the early hours of the morning and revival swept throughout the country. A man named George Whitfield gathered with him in that revival that was taking place. And eventually they separated because of some doctrinal differences. And George Whitfield came to America and that was the first great awakening. And God saved America. God saved a country that was trying to start but almost did not start. But toward the end of that century, uh, America uh, had gone into intellectualism and uh, all other things and immorality. And revival was needed again. And up in the New England states, the power of God broke out there. And there was a man named Jonathan Edwards. And he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And revival came there. And then, uh, not too many years after that, we needed a revival. And a man named Lamphere in New York City had been asked to hand out pamphlets to try to get people to come to church in a church in New York City. And he couldn't get anybody to come. But he decided he was going to do another thing. He handed out pamphlets asking them to come to a noontime prayer meeting. And there were over a hundred people in the first prayer meeting. But revival began to spread. And then those revival prayer meetings spread all over America. And we had revival again.
I want to tell you something. Revival, and I'm not talking about a revival meeting. I'm talking about revival. Revival is not a luxury. It's not some fantastic curiosity, but it's an absolute necessity. We have got to have a spiritual revival. Revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Revive thy work, O Lord, in the midst of the years. There's a need for a family revival. There's a need for a national revival. And then in the book of Acts, you can see revival in the New Testament church. We need revival in our churches. We need revivals that are set afire by Almighty God. You say, oh, I better not go there. I'll be, I'll be way too long. Uh, let me direct your attention to God's uh, template or uh, to God's formula for revival. You know it. You've heard it. It's been preached here from this pulpit numbers of times. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Listen to it if you don't already know it. God says, if my people, my people. The problem in the world today, the problem in America today, is not the porn dealer or the liquor distributor or the atheistic secular society that we live in. It's not a lot of other things. The problem today is unrevived children of God. Children of God that are going along. Children of God that are living powerless lives without tears, without compassion, without prayer, without burden. If my people, God says, which are called by my name, Christian, Christian, do you know that in early church times, people that bore the name of Christian, yes, they made a difference. They made a difference. Yes, they were persecuted for who they were and what they stood for. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. The Bible tells us that God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I had an older man in a church that I started in South Carolina, a good man, but he 
You know, have you ever known somebody that, that told stories and you eventually caught on to the fact that the subject of their story was you? And, uh, and that, that was me and this fella. Uh, I eventually caught on to the fact that all of his winsome stories led to, Preacher, this is what you need to do. And he was bragging on a preacher that I knew. And I'm not being critical of the preacher, but I knew the preacher, and I knew he had feet of clay just like I do. But in the course of his conversation, he said, Brother Lancaster, he said, you know, Pastor so-and-so down the road here is a very, very humble man. And I didn't say it to him, but I thought right immediately. I said, I know Pastor so-and-so, and he's not a humble man. He's got back problems. And, and he, you know, he wouldn't have known when I was talking about that. But, but the pastor that he was talking about, he had back problems and he walked around like this. And my, my friend said, that's humility. Humility is not posture. Humility is obedience to the Lord. Rather than pridefully thinking that we can do it without Him. Are you, am I, a humble Christian? The Bible says, as I have already mentioned, that God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Pray. Every revival that has ever been held, every revival that has ever been experienced in our nation has been preceded by intense prayer. I've had the privilege to see some revivals in, in uh, churches and in communities, and it has always been preceded by prayer. Are you and I praying people? Do we pray? Now, I'm not trying to be silly, but I, I will say it, and uh, please don't take it as silly. I'm not talking about my dear God bless my food prayers. Are my lay me down to sleep prayers. But do you periodically spend seasons of time in prayer? If there has ever been a time when there needs to be seasons of prayer, it's now. We need to pray. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our church. We need to pray for our families. I, I bear a lot of scars in my life. My mother was an alcoholic. My dad was a drunkard. They separated and divorced. I went with my mother and I watched her, I watched her being ravished by alcohol and that lifestyle. And I became a drunkard. And I, I went to jail several times for public drunkenness and assault and battery and disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. I was in jail 
in Shelby County, uh, Tennessee, in November of 1962. I got saved uh, just a few months after that. But I've got, I've got scars, and they won't go away until I go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. God put a fear in my heart when I got saved. And I said, Lord, if you ever give me children, I don't ever want my children to experience what I've experienced. Tomorrow, our son and daughter-in-law will be on the way to Montana to preach in a meeting out there. Our daughter is a gifted, wonderful pianist. Our son-in-law, who I affectionately call, what's his name? <laughs> but our, our son-in-law, whom I led to the Lord, uh, he was an army officer, and uh, he loves the Lord. Do you pray for your children? I, I'm talking about seasons of prayer. I'm not talking about, dear God, bless my food now and bless, bless the children. But do you spend seasons? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Here's a boy down here, son. I'm coming to you. And I, don't let me get you, make you scared, but I, I want to I want to use you for an illustration for just a moment. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You say, Brother Lancaster, what does that mean to seek God's face? Son, what's your name? Dominic. Dominic. Is your mom and daddy here? No. They're not here. Okay. Grandpa and grandma. Grandpa and grandma. Okay. Now, did Grandma help take care of you? Yes. Did she? Uh, here's one thing that Mama and and Grandma did to you. They say, Dominic. That's your name, Dominic. I want you to listen to me, son. And you, yep, okay, all right. Listen to me, son. Listen to me. You know what Mama uh, or Grandma did? They eventually said, "Listen to me, boy." Listen to me. You know what Grandmama was saying? Pay attention, Dominic. Pay attention. Are we paying attention to God? Oh, when I first got saved, I said, you know, I'll read the Bible through once and it'll sort of wear out. It had worn out. It's the most exciting book that I know. And, and you know what God says as I read through it? Pay attention, Tommy. I've got something to tell you. I, I, I want to help you, son. I, I want to talk to you. Pay attention to me. Let me ask you this. Are you paying attention to God? Are you paying attention to Him? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves... And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked ways. Now, as I have said, when you believe what you ought to believe, God will turn you. God will turn you. When you believe what you ought to believe, for instance, 
When you come to the realization that without him you can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. That's what the Bible says. But with him, how much is possible? All things. When you get to the place where you believe that, and when you get to the place where you believe that sin is a reproach against Almighty God, and sin is something that will ruin your life, not just the sin of, of liquor drinking or profanity or taking God's name in vain, but the sin of prayerlessness, the sin of, 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 of no respect for His Word, laying on the coffee table day after day, never read, never studied, uh, that kind of sin. Uh, when we realize that, then God will turn us. And the Bible says then, He will heal our land. He will heal our land. I've got, I've got another 30 minutes on this sermon. And uh, so, uh, Brother Tangerman, whoever's wrist you've got to twist to get me back, I want to come back and preach the rest of it. But let me remind you now, our nation needs a revival. Our churches need revival. Individuals need revival. Individuals. Over in Psalm 51, there's a verse there that talks about our hearts being broken, David, and turning to God. And God said, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted. I was preaching a revival meeting in Arkansas years ago. I'd been there numbers of times. Very kind pastor. I came back. We started the meeting on a Sunday morning. The church, these two sections would be much more than the capacity of the church. But it was filled. And when I gave the invitation that morning, the altar was just, it was full of people. And the preacher was on that side of the pulpit, the altar, and I was on this side. And I began to talk to people and it led me to a couple. And I do what I always do. If I don't know somebody and they come to the altar, my first question is this, do you know the Lord? Have you been saved? Are you born again? One of those questions. And both the man and his wife said, yes, we're saved. And they said it with tears. And I said, you're just getting some things right with God? And he said, yes, preacher, we are. We're getting some things right with God. And I prayed for him. And before I got up to go to the next one, he caught me by the arm and he said, Brother Lancaster, pray for us. My wife and I, are dealing with some things and we're doing all that we can to get thoroughly right with God. He said words just like that. And I said, okay. And I prayed for him. Service was over and we were fellowshipping. He came up to me. They came up to me in the middle aisle. And he said, Brother Lancaster, y'all are going to eat with us tomorrow. 
Uh, but don't forget to pray for us. Please pray for us. And came back that night and I preached again and down to the altar those two came. I knelt with them again. Keep praying for us, preacher. God's working. Keep praying for us. And that night he told me after the service, he said, I have a brother and a sister-in-law and a niece and nephew that live here in this town and they don't know the Lord. Would you please pray for them? And I did. We went to their house the next day, that couple's house. Beautiful table was set and uh, uh, linen and fine china. And then I had something happen that I'd never had happen to me before in all of my days of preaching. Uh, when, when they had the table set and everything, uh, the man stood up and he said, uh, Pastor, the, Pastor Taylor, he said, Pastor, Brother Lancaster, uh, my wife and I have got something we've got to do. And y'all go ahead and eat. And uh, if we come back in time, we'll say goodbye to you. But if not, we'll see you tonight at the services. And I said, I've never had that happen to me before. <laughs> and because I'm nosy, I don't call it nosiness. I say curious. And because I was nosy or curious, I eventually found out what was happening. They couldn't eat. And they slipped out and went upstairs to their spacious bedroom and got on their knees and began weeping and praying. I didn't find that out till several days later. Went back to church that night. When I gave the invitation, and here comes that couple. And I said, what is it? Preacher, God's dealing with us. And preacher, I've got a brother that lives in this town, a sister-in-law, niece, nephew, and I want to see him saved. I prayed for him. Next day, the preacher and I went out and made some visits. He didn't tell me where we were going or anything about it, but we ended up at George's house. Big old guy. Beautiful house. We rung the doorbell. Preacher rung the doorbell. And it wasn't any of his members. Uh, he just told me, he said, here's some folks that have attended a time or two, and I think they need the Lord. And so we went in, and a nice, nice, sweet lady, uh, oh, I'd say in her late 40s, and George was in his late 40s. And, um, and George came out of the bedroom, and when he did, I, I joke around with everybody. I took him by the arm, and I said, George! We're twisting arms to see if we can get people to come to church. And I'll twist your arms if I can get you to come to church. He said, we'll be there tonight. And then I began to talk to him about the Lord. And he got a little bit upset about that. Somebody actually asking him whether he was a Christian, born again. And he got irritated with it. So I backed off. He said he was coming. But we came back to church that night. George wasn't there. And his wife wasn't. But when I gave the invitation, that couple that I've been talking to you about, back down to the altar. Preacher, keep praying for us. God's dealing with us. 
We want to get everything right with God. Preacher and I went out again that next morning making some visits. We went to a shabby part of town and there was a little duplex apartment screen hanging off of the screen door litter he rattled the door and the teenage girl came to the door she had a baby in her arms and uh, it was obvious from the conversation that there wasn't a husband anywhere around he told me that when we got back out of the car again and he had already told me he said brother Lancaster I want you to pray for this I, I want you to talk to this young lady and I did and she came that close to getting saved. But two girls walked in, friends, and they just upset the apple cart. And so we told her, we'll go. And she said, I'll see you tonight. And um, back at church that night, she was sitting on the third row back where this dear lady is sitting. She did not leave her baby in the nursery. She kept her baby with her. Um, that couple was in church. They were there every time the church doors opened. And when I gave the invitation, I started off by saying, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If there's anybody here that's not sure that you are saved and there's no evidence of your salvation, but you want to be saved, would you raise your hand? And I looked around and she raised her hand. I said, okay, let's, let's turn to just as I am without one plea and let's sing this invitation song. And I begged people to come. They did. But that girl didn't. She didn't come. I closed the service and my part of it, and I told the preacher afterwards, I, and by the way, that couple did come. Preacher, pray for us. We got some things. We're trying to get everything right with God. Preacher, don't forget to pray for my brother and my sister-in-law, my niece and nephew. And he... Yeah, he was at the altar. And he said, Preacher, my niece was at, here at church tonight. You probably saw her. She was sitting up towards the front and had a little baby. I said, oh yeah. I said, I said, yeah. We visited her yesterday. I said, yeah. He said, keep praying for her. She needs to be saved. Um, the preacher in our conversation that night, he said, Brother Lancaster, he said, uh, let me tell you this. He said, uh, you know George, the guy that you twisted his arm and, and uh, asked him whether he was born again, got mad at you? He said, that's that girl's father. And she got pregnant. And her daddy kicked her out of the house. He's never laid eyes on her again or the baby and he refuses to let his wife go visit their daughter. And he said, Brother Lancaster, they've got a son that's just gotten out of jail for doing drugs. 
And preacher, I probably shouldn't tell you this, and he shouldn't have. But he said, preacher, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but rumor is that George is cheating on his wife. Now all of that, one thing, infuriated me. That George had turned his back. <laughs> on his daughter. You say, Brother Lincoln, guess she was wrong. Yes, she was wrong. So were you. You've been wrong. You've sinned. But I'm thankful that Jesus hates the sin, but he loves us. And I told uh, the preacher, I said, let's make George our first visit tomorrow. And we went back. Rung the doorbell. She came to the door. And I spoke up. Preacher much younger than I was. And I spoke up and I said, uh, y'all told me you were coming to church, but you didn't. She said, he wouldn't come. I said, let me in. <laughs> and she said, he saw you drive up and he's, he's back in the bedroom. He's not going to come out. I said, let me in. <laughs> and so he let me in. She let me in. And she said, y'all have a seat. Let me go back to the bedroom. And she went to the bedroom, came back out. And she said, he's not coming out. I said, George, you can call the police or come out. But I'm not leaving until you come. He came out. I was angry. I was. Right or wrong, I was angry. I got close to him and I did something that my sweet wife tells me I ought to quit doing. I thumped him. And I said, George, you're a dishonest man. He said, what do you mean? I said, let me make it clear. You're a liar. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you told me bold-faced that you were coming to church, and when the words got out of your mouth, you knew you didn't mean it. You weren't coming to church. You're not an honest man. And then he interjected this statement. He said, I don't know whether he felt that I knew something, but he said, Brother Lancaster, he said, Preacher, I want to tell you something. He said, we're a good family. My children had just fallen in with the wrong crowd. I didn't bother to tell him everything that had been told to me. But I did say this. I said, George, if you get your life right with God, it's no telling what God could do for you. He said, I'll be there tonight. I didn't tell him I'd heard that before, but I said, okay. We came back to church that night. Auditorium was filled. Same girl sitting where this girl is sitting with a baby in her arms. Over on this side, a little bit toward the back, is a young man and his wife who had been praying and weeping and praying, weeping and praying and weeping. Back on the back row was a guy, and he had his arms folded, and he looked like he had the attitude of, 
I'm here, but bless me if you can. And next to him was a wife who had been emotionally and psychologically beaten down. And toward the end of the aisle was a boy. And I've said this all over the country. He looked like what I think the devil looked like. I mean, he just had that look on him. Disrespectful, almost laying down instead of sitting. But once again, in that same room was a couple who wanted to be thoroughly right with God and began praying. Would you like to venture a guess as to which one came first that night in the invitation? Girl, couple, George, wife, the devil, (laughs) others. That old boy broke out, came down the aisle. You could hear him wailing all the way. I need to get saved. I want to get saved. Preacher, I need to get saved. He fell into the altar. The preacher knelt down there with him. And about that time, here comes Mama. And Mama came and knelt beside her boy. And she said, I was up on the platform. I could hear it. Preacher, I need to get saved too. And the preacher was dealing with both of them. And then about that time, here comes that girl. She drops the baby off to a lady that she doesn't even know. She hands the baby to the lady. And she comes and pushes her mother aside and her brother aside. And I stood there and watched her say, Preacher, I need to get saved too. And I saw the preacher lead the three of those to to Christ. We were taking time. You know, we weren't in a hurry. We were taking time to have that transpire. And then when the preacher got through, the girl got up quickly and she went back to her father. And I couldn't hear it. It was so far back, but I saw it. And that old boy held on. Uh-uh. 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 The girl left him. She went back and got the baby. And she took the baby and stood in front of her father for just a minute. I don't know what was said then. But she handed that baby to her father. And that old boy began to tremble all over. And the girl... And the old guy and the baby came to the altar and the whole family got saved. The psalmist said, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners will be converted. I don't know whether you and I will ever live to see another nationwide revival. I don't know whether you will ever see this good, wonderful church set on fire. And if you don't know what I mean by that, you ought to learn what I mean by that. 
I don't know whether you'll ever see this good, wonderful church set on fire, but I do know one thing. I know that you could have a revival today. You could. You could have the fire of God burning brightly in your heart again if you were to start by being honest with Him. Lord, I need you. Lord, this is the problem. This is what you've put your finger on in my life. I want revival. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in my heart. Revive me, oh God. And this, this is what I said. This is what I said years ago. Lord, I'm going to get right with you. And then I want to see my daddy get saved. Lord, I'm going to get right with you. And then I want to see my granddaddy and my grandmother get saved. My mother had already committed suicide. But I wanted to see the rest of them saved. And thank God the rest of them did get saved. Do you need revival today? Thank you so much for listening to this long-winded preacher. And I appreciate it so very much. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, will you help us? Will you help us, O God? Revive us, O God. Search us. Search us. Don't begin playing yet, but when you do begin playing, play just as I am. Oh, God, help us. How many in this room say, Brother Lancaster, I'm born again, and I know it. I know I'm born again. I know if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. Not because I'm good, not because I'm a church member, not because I've been baptized. I know I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did in my life. I am born again. And there's evidence of it. If that's a yes, raise your hand right now. Preacher, I'm born again. God bless you all over. God bless you. Now, let me ask you this. How many, how many of you Christians out there say, Brother Lancaster, I need a revival. I personally, Joe Smith and Mrs. Smith, we need a revival. My kids need a revival. Preacher, I need a revival. I need a revival. Will you please pray for me? If that's it, slip up your hand. Slip it up. Slip it up. Thank you so much. Now do this, please. Do this. This won't, this won't hurt you. It'll help you. Get up and head to this altar right now. Just get up and head to this altar right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Don't wait. Just get up and head to this altar right now. Preacher, I need revival. That entails the fact that you know that something's wrong. Something's wrong. Now don't leave the altar. Stay here until I uh, admonish you to leave when you want to. But you come if God's dealing to, with you. Get up and come this way. Get up. God bless your sweethearts. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Who else? Preacher, I need a revival. I've got some things that I need to get right with God. Preacher, pray for me. Anybody else? Anybody else? Who out there in that congregation right now? Right now. Man, woman, boy, or girl. Who else out there in that congregation? Who else right now? Now, don't miss it. Don't miss it. The Bible says in Psalm 51 that God is seeking truth. God's seeking truth. 
Are you saved, my friend? If not, do you want to be saved? Do you want to be a Christian? Do you want something that's real in your life? Do you want something that will make a difference? Do you want something that will introduce to you the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be a part of the family of God? Do you want Jesus in your heart? If that's so, slip up your hand as I look across this congregation. Slip it up right now. Slip it up. Man, woman, boy, or girl. Preacher, I need to be saved. Yes, I see that hand. I see it. I see it. Yes, God bless you. God bless your heart. We have personal workers up here. Would you get up and head this way right now? Those of you that know you need to be saved, just get up and come this way right now. Get up and do what God's telling you to do. Get up. Head this way. God bless you. God bless you. Come to one of these personal workers. Come to them. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Now, Lord, we love you. We pray for the continued presence of Almighty God. Breathe on us, O oh Lord. God bless these sweet people that are here at these altars. O oh Lord, uh, singles and married and young people and older folks. O oh God, use them. <laughs> oh Lord, use them. Men, men, people that will go back to that base to people that I love so very much. God be with them. Oh God, fill them with your power and use them, oh God. I pray, dear God, that their overwhelming desire will be to honor God in reaching people for you. Oh God, bless them. Bless them indeed. All right, will you pray that just as I am? Stand to your feet, congregation. Stand to your feet. God bless you. You leave when you need to. Stay as long as you want to or need to. God bless your sweethearts.